Welcome back to Season 7 of Sunday Night Teacher Talk. This show is a live Q&A show that happens every Sunday at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for one purpose, to help you be the teacher that you're called to be, the teacher that you always dreamed of being. We recognize that Sundays can be the most stressful day of the week in the education world, so we gather as a community to prepare together for the upcoming week. Enjoy the show. Welcome back. It always kills me that there's not that one more beat on there. I'm going to tell you right now. Um, so it's like it's like a second short. Anyway, uh, thanks for being here because, I, look, I, I'll tell you what. There's an entrepreneur that I love, uh, Seth Godin, who says, people like us do things like this. People like you show up on Sundays, not Monday for school Sunday to get ready for the week. And either that is giving to someone or getting from someone, both are completely fine. But uh, I just, it's just incredible that people do this every single week. So um, before we jump into this, before we get started, I'm going to mention this in the middle somewhere too, just for folks that jump in later. We are, we're trying something new, right? A little bit new on, on Instagram. And that is trying to throw up like, if I don't get this completely right, please help me out. Oh, okay. um, if you're paying attention to me, the because I know you're doing four things at once here. Wellness tips specifically for teachers, right? And thinking about what are small shifts that you can make that are going to help you to take giant leaps in your craft of, of education. I think sometimes when things are going wrong, it can just feel like everything's going wrong. And in in fact, it is mostly little small shifts that if you went to bed early one night, you woke up and had time that you weren't going nuts, like in the beginning of the day, like you're Zach Morris, you're not just jumping from one thing to one thing to one thing. It's it's like having some time to yourself and then taking like just a week and leaving on time. I think you would be like little things like that, any one of those would work, but the three of those together is like a powerhouse and you're going to feel so much better about your week. And sometimes these little small shifts that we make instead of these giant, everyone feels like they have to like, all right, I'm going to start going to the gym every single day for an hour. And I'm going to start like intermittent fasting and doing this and doing this. And, and those are all good things. That's me. Yeah. And I'm always like, I'm going to start on Monday. On oh, Monday. It's always tomorrow. <laughs> Let's do that. We should start that tomorrow. And <laughs> well, I, I, you know, that gives me a good, there's an, I, I'm going to disagree on that one. I think go there's ahead. a good, like, it helps my mind to know like, okay, I'm going to start tomorrow this thing. But I will say that I do agree with small shifts lead to like actual big change. Every time I try and do something like I'm going to do all the things. Yeah. And you're, I'm you are really very good at, at it. you're good at, when decide because I'll I'll put too much on my plate and you'll say no let's do it like this. You are good at shifting that sometimes because I over I go let's just do this for a year, like yeah. let's work out CJ every like day for a year. <laughs> and you're like no I don't no let's not work out every day for <laughs> a year. Let's work out like twice let's, a week. Let's work out Monday. Yeah. <laughs> All right, are you ready for a question? I am. Uh, Elise has been waiting 
for like 30 minutes to get this question answered. She put, and she's gonna, smart. She came in and was like, I'm going to come in ahead of time and drop my question because we go in order and I don't always get, we don't always get to the last ones, like hmm. towards the end of the show. And now that we're living out here in the country, um, we have family dinner on Sundays now. It's like, I gotta go make you know, finish my pot pie. Mother-in-law is right over there in the other room doing a puzzle right now and uh, keeping on the chicken pot pie. And then like, I think your sisters might be coming over for yeah, dinner and stuff like that. So, yeah, so we got to, we're fun. trying to maximize time here. Um, and Marley starts school in New Mexico tomorrow also. Yes. So that's uh All right, let's exciting. get uh, to Elise's question since she's been waiting. She's asking, I'm on my way up to a conference where I am presenting about my program. I've never presented before. What advice do you have for me? Tell me everything. So just as I was reading that and just as I was saying what my answer would be, Steph Shook basically answers the question for me. And so part of that is something just went in my eye. Uh, it is you present every day. So think of best practices that you use in education. I would say your hook is everything. So being mindful of how am I going to hook people in other teachers? And th this isn't like a motivational talk, but I still think it's best practices, right? So can you connect a hook that's going to bring people in? Don't spend a lot of time talking about you, right? So I found that the best speakers don't sit here and go, my like I I used to have this big long thing. My name is CJ Reynolds. I teach in West Philadelphia at an all boys school. I've been there for this many years. I teach these classes. That I teach these like it was. No one cares about that, right? I give them a, a snippet. My name is CJ Reynolds. I teach at an all boys school in West Philadelphia, and then I go into what I'm going into. I, I then I. It's a quote, it's a joke, it's, um, these are hook ideas. It is an interesting fact. It's all the stuff that we tell kids to use in papers, it really works. So I start with a joke every single time. Then I tell them what I'm going to tell them. Then I tell them, then I tell them what I told them. That's my model. Here's what I'm going to about to tell you. Then I tell you, then I tell you what I told you. At that end, don't try to teach too much right? Same thing in education. I always say like, if you're, if you're lecturing for 50 minutes to high schoolers, unless those kids are at super high levels, you are losing everybody in the class. So it is just doing stuff that is just give them enough, right? So I try to hit like two main points and then everything else is backing that up, backing that up, backing that up. The only other thing I've, I've really seen lately that folks have been asking more and more for is they don't want to just take my word for it because their school doesn't want to take my word for it. They want it to be backed. I'll tell you what, if you don't know where to start finding research that backs what you're doing, type, go into chat GPT, type in, I need research backing this idea. What is the main idea of what you're, you're presenting on? And it will give you a ton of stuff. Find one that works, two that work, and then there's your backing information. So makes it super easy. And have fun. Smile when you're up there. That's my piece of advice. Smile when you're on stage. Look like you're having a good time. Same thing as in school, right? Like, look, yeah, look like you're having fun because smiling helps people to retain your information more and helps them to feel like they want to be here. So it works. I also think like when you get nervous, you talk really fast. So like, remember, or if you get excited, because you're yeah, always telling me nervous like, or I, and yeah. they're one in the same, I think, or very similar feelings. Mm -hmm. um, 
but like to remind yourself to slow down, to like, don't feel like you can't take a pause or a breath. I have a hard time, like, cause my processing, my processing is a little bit slower and I'm always afraid, like I have to keep talking and it's like, no, I can take a moment and think and then speak. And it's like, it's not as long as you think that pause is. Yeah. At least that's what I've noticed for myself. Um, okay. Oh, I already had it up there. I think now it oh, disappeared. Wife. Oh, okay. K8 Art Lady, Cart Lady. Is that where we're going? Or K three eight maybe? I don't know. Art Lady is up next, uh, asking, "How do you deal with coworkers who are annoyed about your joy at school?" That's a great one. This is a great one. I don't know if you're going to love my answer though. Some answers, I just can feel the lack of love that comes from them. Um, I have to not care about them. I just cut it out. I just like. I just. I just kind of smile at maybe their annoyance and I stop looking at them. So if I'm in a meeting and I say a joke, I have a tendency to look, did it make that person laugh? Did it make them smile? Did it make them like that? I get any reaction. Um, I have a tendency to look at those folks because I want to win them over. I want them to like, I want them to feel joy. Also. It's not just that I want them to even like me. I just want them to like life. And so I have to instead look at my friends that I know we're going to laugh that I know, or they're at least going to go, please Reynolds, please sit down and shut up. Um, in a, in a way that is just kind of funny and not trying to make me feel like crap. So it is, that's part of it. The other thing I think is, um, I, I heard, I feel like Denzel Washington of all people said this once, but your light aggravates other people's darkness sometimes that's one thing two some people just like you're too much for some people and that's all right i am too much for some people the the level at which i give you a hello the the good mood that you're in the and because i'll tell you what for me that energy goes both ways it can go explosive excitement and love and and fun and it also goes the same way when I get aggravated, right? My kids will tell you from driving in the car with me. Um, although in New Mexico, try not to be a Philly driver. <laughs> it's not it's not easy, but and I'm not going to tell you what that looks like, but I'm, I'm trying. So it's knowing that this is who I am, that I can't change it. But I found that meeting those people where they are is important. So if I have a friend who is just not, they could just, they could love life. They're just not Tigger, right? I need to, so if I'm, we'll go with the Winnie the Pooh analogy. Now, Al doesn't want to be a Tigger, right? Tigger wants to be a Tigger. So meet, bring that Tigger energy. And when you go and meet Al, you can still be love. You can still be kindness. You can still be joy, but I'm going to meet you on a place because if my goal is not just to be me, right? Like I'm not just trying to be me. I want to love you where you are, right? So same thing with kids. Some kids don't want a high five, a hug in the hallway, a shout out down the hall uh, or in class. Can everybody just give it up for Tim over here? It's like some kids want a gentle pat on the shoulder, a whisper of, of affirmation, uh, posted, don't even say it to me, just write it on a note and put it in on my desk. And I'm good with that. I'm trying to meet people where they are in public. Y'all are just going to get 
who you get. This is who I am. And this is why I like being. But if I like spreading love, light and joy to people, um, which sounds very hippie, I am going to <laughs> do that in a way that you want it. Otherwise, the gift you're giving is not a gift someone else wants. Um, but if it's just in public and in the hallway, bro, y'all gotta just deal with it because that's how I that's how I am, and I love it, and the kids love it. And I'm here for kids. That looks horrible. The quality of this, we really gotta figure this out. Anyway, next question. We're working on it. Not ADD. Um, okay, our next question is asking. I start teaching sixth grade math tomorrow. Good work. In the middle of the semester. Uh, as my first year of teaching, any advice or planning? Tips? Sure do. So I would say a couple of things. One, um, I, this is how I roll. I'll give you a bunch of things. Pick what works for you. I would go in if it was middle of the year and tell everyone, listen, I know it's the middle of the year, uh, but I just want you all to know how excited I am to be here. And that I love that I get to teach the rest of this year with all of you. This is going to be awesome. It is so, it's, it's just never done. Like teachers don't start school telling kids, I love my job and I'm so happy to be here. They just figure kids are going to into that somehow. It is, I'm going to tell you up front how much I love being here. The other thing is getting to know your students as well as possible. That's why doing things like um, my life odyssey project or getting get to know you activities, not necessarily icebreakers. And that's a personal thing. I, I didn't like icebreakers growing up. So I don't do, I do this a lot in teaching. I'm like, Oh, I didn't like doing that. So we're not going to do it. Um, which is probably not the exact way to go. However, um, figuring out ways to go to student where students are, right. Are they in the cafeteria? Are they in the hallway? Are they sitting in the stairwell? talking to students about stuff they care about, asking about things that they are interested in and slowly building those relationships is going to be what helps you. I say this all the time, student relationships minimize classroom management issues and they maximize uh, student engagement because kids trust you. John Maxwell said that no one cares what you know until they know that you care so from day one, and you got to know this is a long process we're playing here, right? This might take a little bit of time, but it is my excitement for what we're doing. I'm going to find out who you are. Then I'm going to find out, I have to figure out ways to take what you're interested in and connect it into the learning that we're doing. And that might sound a little bit difficult with things like math, especially, but uh, it's think about your word problems. Think about your examples. Think about that, you know, it's that no like, and trust factor that you build with students. So then, you know, even if you can't connect everything that they are learning about to something in pop culture, say, uh, that's okay, because we're doing this outside of class also, and then building that so that it becomes something um, where we do connect. And then um, you care more about the subject matter, because you care about this connection that we've built, right? So that that's where I would start. Good luck, man. That's awesome. If you're not in our Facebook group too, uh, you should go check that out. It's Real Rap with Reynolds on Facebook. And this is a great place to find, you know, if you're, if you have a certain unit and you're not really sure how to introduce it, how to students are struggling with a certain concept, right? Put it in there, put in your polynomial issues and 
some other person who loves mathematics will answer you and help you out with that. It's a great group. Um, okay, our next comment comes from... Hit it, buddy. I lost it. Because I was putting that thing up there. Sorry, right. I I'm need like two computers. Uh, we do. We need. No, I need. I need two just for me. I think we needed some of the work behind the scenes on this. Would be. I know. Where was it? When is Romina? Liz, we need Liz, to just where have Romina. Romina, you need to just move to New Mexico. Liz was up next. Okay, I can't. I can't find it on there. But do you remember what it was? No. Oh, I found you. Well, I found you. It's here. So I'm going to ask you and then I'll find it on there to put it up on the show thing. Uh, Liz is asking any tips about how to deal with the student apathy and how it affects your job. My fail rate is due to students not turning anything in and I'm stressed and need some alternate grade grade ideas, please. Uh, you got to reread that to yourself. <laughs> so I do kind of because I was trying to do two things at once and we know how that goes. Um, all right. There's a lot. To, this is why I'm pausing on this because there's a lot to, to say about this. But if as a starting place, I have had years where kids or not even years, sometimes it's just a certain period, right? A certain period of the day is just not doing the work. They're not handing anything in, even if it's the I could say, put your name on this paper and hand it in and you'll get a hundred and I'll get like not all the papers back. It's just like, it's like a level of apathy that is mind boggling to you. Um, for me, it is going to students and sitting with them. Not, I'm not standing in front of the classroom. I'm not giving a lecture. I don't want to seem like an authority figure, right? Uh, although I am, I want to sit with my students, right? And I'll sit in the middle of class and go, listen, y'all, before we get started, I just need to, I have a question. I need you all, I want need to remind you that your success is the only thing that I care about. That you living the life you are called to, the life you dream of, is what I am here to help you build the skills so that you can live that life. I try to be really mindful of everything we do in class so they don't know why. I know the real world application of everything we do in this class. That being said, these are the grades I'm seeing right now. And with these grades, I can see that you will not live the life of your dreams if we continue going forward like this. So I'm not, I'm, coming to you out of curiosity and wondering like why is this happening and so i'd start there see what kids say give them a beat to talk do not fill the space with with your words let them have a space because there's probably kids have probably been asked this before but not in a way where they weren't being um like criticized for it it's just entering into it with curiosity not with any level of blame or apathy or anger or anything like that. Then asking, what could we do to, to get a little bit better in here? And so then it's at, like really letting kids sit with that for a moment and think about like, do we want more projects? Is school just boring? Is whatever it is. The next thing I, I really do, Liz, is school can be boring. 
I mean, it can be utterly boring. And especially with kids that are in high school, they've been doing this boring stuff forever. And even if you have a good teacher a year, it's not enough to like build your want to come to school. So what I do is have a conversation with students about, um, can I ask, this is what I say. Can I ask y'all, what do you want for yourself or for your future family or for your family now that you didn't have growing up? Like, just think about that. You can share if you want. You don't have to share. Maybe it's money. Maybe it's food in the pantry. Maybe it's uh, regular haircuts. Maybe it's a safer place to live. Maybe it's more time and attention from your parents, right? So we're not just like, this is, this works with any kid from any school. It could be a rich private school, or it could be like you're teaching in the straight hood, right? These questions work with everyone because you're not, you're not starting with what you think, you know, you're giving kids space to tell you their truth. And then for me, it is connecting the dot between what you want in life and where you are now. And I'm not just saying, you know, keep, keep doing this. You're never going to have that, but it is what I want to do is help kids understand. And I, what the follow-up question to that would even be like, I don't want it to just be about them. I don't want to know about the Bentley that they want and the baller house and the cash. Who else, who in your family, in your life, do you want to be able to love on that your, that, that your dream will be able to bless others? Who are you going to be able to bless with you, with that? So maybe you have a little brother. Maybe you have a cousin. Maybe it's your friend's you know, uh, parents who have like helped you out so much. Maybe it's your grandmom. You want her to work like one job instead of two, something like that. So then what I do is connect the dots of, so this is what you want to do. Here's what we're learning in class. Here's what we're learning is going to help you get to that dream. Now, why that's important is because now what we're doing in class is part of a game. It's part of the system. I mean, if you can learn the system, if you can learn to play this game, then you're going to be able to bless these people. Now, when you don't want to learn Latin or algebra or biology or read a novel, now my question to you is, I'm sorry, are we letting, is Macbeth going to stop you from, from helping your grandmother? Is Macbeth going to stop you from having an apartment that your brother can come to sometimes because mom is in and out of relationships and we all know what happens at home. And now your brother has a safe place to stay in your apartment with his own room, with his own bed sheets, with regular haircuts, with movies on Fridays, whatever it is, we're going to stop that. That's dream stopped in a track. So you don't want to read words. That's what we're doing right now. That to me, in my experience of doing this for ages, empowers kids to see that, no, I will not let this stop me from doing this because every kid like that I've ever taught would say things like that they would die for a family member. I would die for my brother or sister. My question to kids always is, would you live for them? And so when we let kids sit with that and then we can connect what we're doing to where they want to go in life and make it important, then that's where it, it just, it chops down excuses like nothing else I've ever seen. So that's kind of where I, that's part of where I go with that. Uh, let me ask, do you have any, um, she asked, said, need some alternate grade ideas. Do you have any? So I think it? grading, um, 
being mindful of how much I'm grading, being mindful of what things I'm grading on a particular assignment. So I think sometimes teachers that grade papers grade for way too many things. They're graded. There's red ink all over this and they call it rigor, but all it is is overwhelm, right? Imagine someone coming into your house and telling you that all the things that weren't clean, all the things you could be doing better, all the things that you're not succeeding at, right? Um, it's overwhelming, right? So it is getting focused on these are the five things in this paper that I'm looking for, right? I'm looking for transition sentences. I'm looking for main ideas. I'm looking for supporting details in the form of this. It's getting really clear with kids on that. It's maybe not grading every single thing. It's maybe offering the op. So I don't do late work, but I do, um, I do allow students to retake assessments because in our great stupid grade books, they start doing this dumb thing. And I'm sure a lot of your schools do this too. We're like, tests and quizzes are worth more than everything else. And it's like so mind boggling because it's like, yeah, it's, you have one test for every 14 assignments and then it's worth the most. Uh, so it's allowing kids to retake assessments. But the way I did it was an assessment was on Friday. You could retake Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, before school, after school, during lunch. And um, that is a way for you to Take your loss like a boss. It lowers test anxiety and allows you to, to come back in and retake the assessment. Because um, I just think that that's real life too. So it's like creating some of those options. It's also getting kids to come in for help. And the way I get kids to come in for help is by letting them know that it's so little time. Like, yo, oh, dude, listen, you're doing terrible on this. I this is how I straight tell kids. All right, we're struggling with this. Um, come see me after school for three minutes. I'm going to show you how to do this. Pop in for three minutes and you're going to be mastering this because it doesn't always take a lot of time. So I want to show kids that it doesn't take a lot of time to get the results that you want to get. Okay. I uh, could keep talking about that. I know. Cut me off. <laughs> um, Steph Shook is up next uh, asking how to manage a club with a large membership. I'm anticipating over 40 kids this year for drama club starting tomorrow and I'm on my own. Uh, so... You need to get help. So start putting kids in charge of stuff. Um, kids love being in charge of stuff. So either if you can't get staff members, if maybe Steph, if you could get graduates to come back, that's a really great way to do it also. But putting kids in charge of, all right, you are in charge of um, this specific part of sound, this specific part of lights. And then as kids get good, then they get upgraded. Now you're in charge of these three people that are going to do the job you used to do. It's a lot of work on the front end, but it is how I get everything done in the classroom too, is I delegate, right? Um, leadership is not about doing everything. It's about over, it's about facilitating. It's about giving people things to do. And then you are making sure that this thing is running smoothly. Football coaches never, ever, ever go, you know what? I'll just go on the field myself. Let me put on a helmet. I'm just going to run out there. <laughs> they lead from the sidelines. They are constantly overseeing. But even coaches have, there's mid-level coaches and, and trainers and, and strategists that they are taking in all this data. That's what you have to start doing. So don't, and, and the hard thing is to not just, to see a kid do something and not do it well. And then we just take over. 
when I start giving out things, I look for 75. If a kid can do something at 75% of what, what I would have done at 100%, that's good enough for me. I can help you build from there. But 75% is better than me doing it myself. It just saves me time, energy, and effort. And so it's starting to build in some of those things. And and then look, what you're going to do over time um, is you'll start, begin to build a culture of students that are revered for their leadership abilities and because of their status. And then each one teach one, right? Like as those kids are getting older, they're going to teach, they're going to find someone or you're going to find someone that they're going to train up so that when that kid graduates there, you don't miss a beat. We are, we have this incredible system, incredible rhythm going on that, uh, that helps us do better than everybody else. All right. Uh, Kate is up next asking, Kate saying it's my third year and it feels more difficult than the first. Uh, is this normal? So sometimes Kate, I think because you know better. Um, and so the more, you know, the more difficult things can be sometimes and just some grades are more difficult than others. So I would say one of my favorite, favorite. So my first year was just hard. Right. Uh, and I have, I had some great relationships in there, but that was, that was a difficult year. My second year, they were still hard. That was one of my favorite classes I ever taught to this day. I, I got to my third year, my fourth year, my fifth year, just did not as a class, right? There are individuals in there, but as a class, I did not love them, any of them as much. Um, and I mean, that second year is to this day, like still my, it's probably my favorite class I ever taught probably as a whole. Um, and then there's one in Philly that was, but that's a whole nother thing. So I think that it's, we keep doing this stuff. Some years it's more, my jokes are more receptive. My ideas are more receptive. My craziness is more receptive. Kids love it. And then there's other years where I'll do the same project with the same amount of excitement. And it just kind of falls a little flat. It's just not accepted as well. So for me, it's, those are the years when I'm going to focus on me and becoming a better version of me. Um, because I don't, because what, and here's why, uh, because I don't want kids apathy or, or lack of excitement or a lack of love for what we're doing to start like infiltrating my heart. I need to stay strong and I want to be the best I can be. So I must look at this as a challenge. Like, can I, like, how am I going to grow myself this year to be the best that I can be? And then it puts it on you too. I know a lot of people don't like that answer because it just gives you another thing to do. But if I wait for other people to get better, bro, sometimes you're just going to be sitting there. It's like waiting for a bus that ain't coming. So, you know, I'd rather drive myself or walk there. All right. Up next is 80 Talks. Uh, what would you tell a teacher who left a high school? who left a high school to become a business English teacher? Uh, first of all, I love that profile picture. I thought it was Truman Show for a second. Um, you left high school to become a business English teacher. Uh, you know, I think it is, it's a lot of the same stuff, I, I think. It's it's finding out, um, I'm curious what a, I'm looking at the screen behind me or in front of me, what a business English teacher is. And who are you teaching? 
Um, like what, like, what is that like right out of high school? Is that college? Is it like adults, adults going back to school? Um, but I think it is, it's a lot of the same stuff. You need to find out what you're interested in. I need to find out who you are and what's your why behind this. I need to um, teach stuff that is incredibly practical that I'm, you know, it is, it's very important for me to teach the students that are actually in front of me and not the students that this curriculum was necessarily written for, right? Which were usually like figments of someone's imagination, but it wasn't the kids that are in front of me or the adults that are in front of me. And then finding out, um, like remembering that even though people are adults, like fun is still fun. And fun sometimes is just interesting. Fun is fascinating. It's, so it's finding out fun and fascinating and incredible ways to, to communicate things with people, right? So when we are good at that, you can make any topic come alive. I mean, I just remember having math teachers that were just awesome. I remember like having, especially in college, especially in community college, I don't know what it was. I, man, I freaking, I love community college. I had some of the best teachers I ever had before I went on to a four-year university and like math teachers, psychology teachers, history teachers that were just awesome because they were great. And because they loved what they were doing and because they believed in what they were doing, that comes across to you. So it's keeping in mind some of those things, I think, as you're moving forward, but, uh, yeah, meet those folks where they are and, and help them come up to where they, they dream of being. That's what they want to do. So yeah, my best to you. That, that sounds awesome. Especially the further we get into this work, it's like the work of business is so fascinating to me. Um, yeah. And that's also fun just to be a student again, to be honest. Um, I skipped Nassim. Sorry, buddy. Uh, so I'm going backwards. Uh, he's No, not I was lost. Remember when I was lost? Sorry. Just kidding. Yeah. Mustafa, I don't like to skip anybody because right. me it makes me anxious. Uh, okay. And Nassim's asking, any giveaways pretty interested for my students? Uh, you know... I'll tell you what, Nassim, one of the things we try to work with with brands is like getting free stuff for teachers. And with the exception of staples, I don't it's not that people don't want to. I just don't think they see the ROI for themselves in that. So it's like, yeah, we could give you a bunch of stuff. But like, how does that how does that come back to help us? Um, so that's been something I've had like. Even when I've gotten weird brand deals, like I had a really high end. So sometimes they're, they're weird because it's like, why did you pick me? So I had a brand years ago that wanted to do, um, they had high end winter coats, like really nice, like <laughs> camping jackets. And I got these dudes that are walking to school every day in a blazer. That's what they have on. It's like, it's like zero, nothing degrees outside. And my man has a hoodie on. And so I was like, listen, I could use your coat, sure, but it would be a lot cooler if you sent me 15 of them. I gave them to students and then I'm going to let them, I'm like, get them a contract and everything. Uh, this was one time I was going to like, one of the only times I was going to like bring kids in on a, on a brand deal. And then I want them to review it, but I'll only do it if it's positive. I will not review it. If it's, if this goes wrong, I'll just do it and it won't be a thing, but like have, so have a good product and they turned me down. And 
it, you know, I almost had a brain deal this year that had a great giveaway too, but like, no, it's just like, you know, we're always looking for that, but it doesn't always yeah, work out. It doesn't out. always work out, even though it's in my pitch every single time that we do it. But I also think like, I, we don't, we only have a book to give away. <laughs> yeah. We give away a book again. Yeah. Um, yeah. Maybe we'll do one of those soon. Um, okay. Sonny is up next asking, what can I do if admin is not supportive or leaves you feeling less supported as you leave their room? She is not the easiest to talk to. And I try to avoid her because she leaves me feeling dumb. So that's such a great question. Oops. Um, there we are. Everywhere. Why did I do that? I don't know. It's because you hit just the oh. thing. <laughs> so Sonny, I think there's a couple things here. I think it's worth thinking about why you feel dumb. Um, sitting with that, seeing if there's any, not truth, but sometimes the people that aggravate us the most, it's like, is there a, even a kernel of truth in what they're saying worth sitting with and thinking about and thinking about, because sometimes our haters give us all, they give us the right stuff. They give us the, like, it's like, oh, maybe like, if I think sometimes people that aggravate me are right, it's like they're giving me the feedback that my friends don't always give me, right? People that love you don't always give you negative feedback because they love you and they don't want to hurt your feelings or whatever. So is there anything in that? And that's a hard thing to sit with, but I, I think it's worth sitting with. Uh, my, I, I think the other piece is, so I'm trying to think of like my last year in Philly, I had the worst assistant principal. I, I don't even know how they got the job. It was like, they were so horrific. It was mind boggling to everyone in the building. Um, And I did a lot of that. Like I, and I learned a number of things from this individual. I, I, I sat with a lot of, of the mean, just mean things that they said to me and tried to learn from them. But then it was also, envisioning myself kevin hart talks about in one of his books this idea of putting on armor before you go into a meeting like that and so a lot of times i will pray or I'll, it'll be positive self-talk like i'm talking weird stuff like standing in the school bathroom mirror and saying positive affirmations to yourself i'm arming myself with the ability with getting ready to go into this meeting that i know is going to suck it just there's no it sucks every time so that's part of it. The other thing is, so because that allows me to not walk out feeling so damaged, follow it up with who is, who's going to speak truth to this matter, right? Not this, who's going to tell you you're right and they were wrong, but is there anyone on your staff that you can say, Hey, listen, I got a meeting with so-and-so today. Uh, can we follow up afterwards, even if it's after school? Cause I'm going to need to like unload some of this stuff and have someone speak some truth back to me. So that's what I would do. And then I find ways around having to never speak to that individual. Like I, anytime I had, they wanted to come have me speak to them, I would send them an email so that I don't have to sit here and be bombarded by this nonsense. But instead I am just sending an email, anything you have to say to me, you can just email it to me and I try and get around it that way. And I never go to them with any wants or asks. I would rather figure everything out on my own find a different administrator, a different person in leadership, a different teacher that's going to be able to help me so that I'd never have to talk to them. And then this one's very, this seems very childish, but I'm going to tell you why I do it. 
I try to never see them in the hallway because seeing when you see me, you go, Oh, Mr. Reynolds, this, that reminds me, can you come and see me today? Third period? Nope. Nope. <laughs> so I literally will try to like go other ways because it just gets me out of having to have that conversation. Um, so not sure that last one is very adult, but it's what I do. And it worked for me. I actually just, I, I think that's still adult. It's, it's, I mean, it's not a good person to like when someone's treating you that way or making you feel that way. And in the comments further, um, they mentioned uh, it just leaves me feeling discouraged sometimes because this is my second year and I constantly hear more criticism than solutions. I feel as though I have to be a perfect teacher, right? When someone's making you feel like that, it's like, I think it's best to avoid them as much as possible. You are in the workplace. And if it, if there is a need, then you can handle it in kind of the ways that you talked about, like, yeah. but skirt, it's not like it, you're not like trying to avoid something like someone's trying to like have a meeting or do something with you. It's just like, no, if I just can avoid not seeing them, then it doesn't like bring up those feelings or emotions or there's enough to deal with. I think being a teacher and especially a newer teacher, only your second yeah. year. I think that's actually great advice. The last thing I, I would like say is have the difficult conversation. I, yes. we need to have a conversation around the idea that every single time I come in this office, this is what I'm seeing. It is a disproportionate amount of things that you want me to work on. And, and it's not, it's not rational. Well, because honestly, so, they're a leader also, and they, there's still room for improvement for yeah. them as a leader. They need to know how to lead also. And, and you're really just kind of telling them that yeah. as like a courtesy, not even a mean, don't come at it with all your feelings and emotions, but it's like, well, I want you to be a better, the best leader that you can be also. And so kind of throw a little criticism back at them. That's exactly what was, <laughs> Oh man, this is why we're on here together. And we match today. Got no. double denim going on. Come on. Yes. Hit it. What's the next one? All right. Steph is up next asking. Wait, um, we could start it. We could start a husband and wife like country band called double denim. Okay. Steph is asking, what do you do if your pacing is off? I went a little extreme on the book uh, speak and our class times got cut this year. I think I need to cut some content. Have you ever had to do this? Yes. All the time. Uh, I'll tell you what. Sometimes they do it on a purpose. Um, I, I think, and there's, there's, there are English teachers out here that are going to, they're going to just, they might click off or they might melt. I'm not really sure. Uh, I think the first half to two thirds of Fahrenheit 451 is great. And I thought, I think it sucks after that. I just don't, I like, I'm like not real interested in it. I think that there are parts of Merchant of Venice where there's whole chunks. When we read that, I just cut them out because it was like this all it's going to do is confuse my students. And so, and so in teaching certain levels of English, there are things, and I'm not trying to censor it. I am trying to buy back time because I don't always have the time to do the thing, especially when you have low-level readers that aren't reading as quickly, that don't read at home, that I have to do everything with them in class. It's like, we're going to, uh, this is, this is the movie Y'all that are old enough will know this. Sometimes back in the day, um, they would take a movie that was really long. And if they were going to put it on TV, they had, it, they had to shorten it. They cut certain little parts out to give you so you got the exact time. That's what I think of. And it's I'm upfront with kids about this, too. I say, listen, if y'all want to go back and read this, great. But we're, we're moving through this. It's taking a little bit long. We have to be done by this time. So I'm going to take this part out. Or another way around that, and I don't know if Speak, I can't remember if Speak has a movie or not. Um, 
some, and this is, you got to be careful with this because sometimes the movies are so different from the book. Sometimes I will show them a part of the film and then be like, we don't, I don't have time to read this or I don't have time to finish this. Here's part of the film so that we can kind of, um, like, so for instance, um, now I'm not even going to do it for instance, but like, there's just certain parts like that, that I would do sometimes. Uh, there's a middle part of Romeo and Juliet that I would show the old, uh, is it Zeffirelli film? I would show that part of like Juliet and whatever. It's not even important what part it is, but I would, there's a certain part of it that I would show the film and then we jump back into reading the play together. So yeah, it's it, but it's, and then it's next year, it's trying to be stricter with my pacing because there are some books, like I, I've read that book with my class before. There are some books that, man, you could get really into and learn. There's so much you could learn about that you could just read that book for half a year. But um, you can't, you don't have that ability to do that all the time. So, yeah. So cut it out if you need to. You're the teacher. All right. Jean is up next asking, when having kids in your classroom for lunch, how do you deal with boys' uh, friendly bickering? I want to let them be boys, but I'm concerned about the safety and being too loud. It is, where are we right now? Uh, that's, that's what I'm talking about. Um, it is reminding kids that this is a safe space, but y'all, I don't, I don't want to hear this. I'm not even trying to be in this kind of energy right now. Y'all are like messing it up for me. So that's why when kids do eat lunch in my room, I lower the lights. I sometimes just play music in the background, but I want to create, I want to remind them that this is a chill spot. So if the Philadelphia Eagles played last night and who knows what happens or, you know, the Sixers, ah, like this person's better than this person and this thing sucks. And what do you mean you like Pokemon? Pokemon sucks. It's not, it's like, I, I go, dorks, dorks. You got to bring the nerd level down a little bit because you're just, y'all are talking about Magic the Gathering like it's the biggest, most important thing in the world. Great to have that conversation. You got to lower your voice. Keep it cool. And it's, creating that culture. And look, when I tell you that I call my kids dorks, I feel like I got to say this for someone or nerds. You have to have a special relationship with your students. And I don't do it with everyone. And I know what kids I have. But if you've seen some of my older videos with my students in it, um, Ham, I, it was like nerd. Just bring the nerd level down just a little bit because you're talking about Naruto right now and having a whole fit about it. So they, it's helping kids to, to just check themselves the reason they're doing this is my guess, Gene, is that they're, they feel safe in your room. They feel cared for. They feel like this is a place I can be myself. This is a place where I can have an argument about like anime and with people that I know, like, and trust. And so it's a badge of honor to have that happen. But then you have to, leaders are repeaters. You got to say it again and again and again and again. Or I put other kids in charge of it. Yo. Joe, you gotta go handle this. These dudes are being out of pocket right now. And then Joe will go over and let them know. And then oftentimes kids list, I'll find the quarterback from the football team that is revered in the school who's eating lunch in my room and be like, yo, Jose, you gotta handle this, man. And then they go over and the kids will listen to them even more than me because they feel like Jose is intimidating. And I I'll let that happen. So yeah, it's a good, it's a good problem to have, but it's just like um. Don't, 
I'll say this. Here's why it's important to, to have this happen too. You don't want this is a this is a time for you to be chill too, to get things done, to be single minded on what you're doing, and y'all are gonna ruin this for me. Like I I need this time to to be cool. So that's the only rule I have in my class: just be cool, right? That's it. And what happens if they can't? What do you tell them if like all the reminding doesn't really work? I, I've had students that I tell them, all right, you know, know, if we I have to do this again, them. like if we have to do this again, um. Y'all can't even eat in here for the rest of the week. Like I'm because it's a privilege, yeah. right? They and need to be because reminded. Because you're messing up. Because there's other people in here that need this. There's kids with anxiety, kids that are that are um, introverts, people that depend on this time of not being silent, but just being just be cool. And so if you can't be cool, then you can't. So if I have kids that start chasing one another, bro, you gotta go now. I send a message to whoever's in charge. Don't even let these dudes up for lunch, no matter what. And or I don't give them a pass that day. And I go, listen, I still love you, but you got to learn. Like we weren't learning the easy way. So just come back, see me on Monday, check yourself and come and correct. And we got it under control. All right. Uh, I think I'm saying this right. Jay Hoon. Jay, Jay, Jay Hoon. I'm probably bad. not, but I'm bad at vowels. We, we are. I'm I'm, sorry, if, if this is your first time, I say this. I feel I like got, you say this I got your week. last name. Quan. Juan but is asking, we, we mess up with the vowels. It's it's a yeah. dyslexic thing. Uh, could you recommend a lo-fi, any type of music for students to listen to while uh, eating breakfast, studying, chit-chatting, etc.? So I used to play the one, whatever it is on YouTube with the little girl that's studying. That was a winner. <laughs> but I find that, but I pay for YouTube premium. So it's the ads that suck, right? It's like... um you're doing something and then all of a sudden, you know, I don't even know where these ads come from. It's like a tampon ad comes on all of a sudden. I got 14 year old boys in my room and everyone's like, cool. Like they lose completely lose their mind or it's something explosive. Like six flags is coming back better than ever. And it's like, bro, you just, we had it here. We were at a smooth five and now we're at 12. So for me, it is, um, finding playlists that are consistent. So I also pay for no ads on Spotify. It's or downloading music and just creating a, a playlist that you can, that you can do like that. Uh, and different things work for different classes. If I need a little bit more upbeat, I will find something that's more upbeat. Um, but for me, that was even more than like which music to play it was making sure that there was nothing that was going to be disruptive. So yeah, that, cause that's always just like a pain and nothing. I find that stuff that's too chill makes kids fall asleep. So you want something that I would find stuff that was like, uh, here's what would happen. It's kind of real chill in the beginning. There's kind of some bumping moment in the middle and then it chills out again. And I have had students tell me that that affects their reading in that like, Yo, this part came on today, Reynolds, and I was in the middle of like Percy Jackson was getting ready to do this thing. And it was like it was matching their their moment. And they would tell me that they start reading faster when that happens because and and when it was too slow, I had kids tell me like they're like, this makes me want to fall asleep, Mr. Reynolds. I'm like, all right, I was I was I was feeling this playlist today, <laughs> but I will change it for you, young man. That Great question, though, man. I think music in the classroom. It's just, it's so great. I, I once, 
I was at a school in Vancouver one time that played um it was either jazz or classical they would instead of having a bell the music would start building up that's how you knew it was the end of class end of class is coming so the teacher's wrapping up the kids when it gets to a certain place the kids know that they can leave then as the music dies down it means you better get your butt to class because it's going to start in a moment and it was just and it created a a vibe you're in the hallway and it's just like this chill jam going on, like some Dave Brubeck quartet. And I'm like, yeah, this is sick. Um, it just made it awesome. I will say I'm not one for music on. Like you can you can like sit at your desk and do work and have music on. All I day. Cannot. So I'm one of those like it has to be really like just instrumental, no words, not too crazy, but not too slow either. Yeah. Like that's why line, it really lo- lo-fi works me. so well. It does. I do like lo-fi. Um, just that study one is nice. Yeah. But yeah, music, it's it's yeah. I'm so watch out for the that. ads. Watch out um, for the pharmaceutical ads. And make sure to ask your students if they like it. Because then because when you're in the pharmaceutical ads always. and they go, Michael's anal bleeding and the kids are like oh, okay okay they lose it Let's i'm telling you this on. is real world teaching stuff okay <laughs> you can move on uh davina is asking saying happy sunday how would you uh prep your class for a sub also what steps would you take if you get a bad sub report all right so this is such a great question um for subs I want everyone to be able to hand something in that I know they are capable of at the end of the period. It is not homework if you don't get it done. It is not due tomorrow. The sub's job is to administer the work to never, so for high school, I never want them to teach anything. So a lot of times what I would do, um, we use Schoology and we use, and we use like the oldest version of Schoology. Our school never paid to have it updated. So I would put, the assignment in Schoology, so there, I didn't, the sub didn't have to find papers or anything. Every kid's one-to-one, so this works for me because of that. I put the directions in there. I put the assignment in there. I then record myself reading the directions and then have, and then paraphrasing the directions, which is a thing that you can do. If I don't have this, I would have the teacher, the sub, like maybe play this up on the screen or something like that. And then it is due at the end of the period, whether you're finished or not. I don't give grades for finishing all the time. So sometimes I see a kid got about 75 to 90% through. They missed a couple. It's fine. I can tell they were working the whole period. What that's going to do is show me the kids that got nothing done or got one finished because they were screwing around the whole period, right? So that's what I'm kind of looking for. Um, And I want it to, I don't want it to teach anything new. I want to support something we've already learned about. So this isn't fresh new content that you that you have to learn how to do. And like you never learned um, Pythagorean theorem and all of a sudden today busting it out. It's like it is supporting something. With regards to bad sub uh, stuff, I start with just asking what happened, what was going on in class. Most of my students will not ever rat anyone out but they will tell you if the sub sucked. And sometimes the sub does suck. And then meaning subs get kids ramped up. They are messing with kids or messing around, even if they're just trying to be fun, but then it leads to madness because they don't know how to then manage. It's like they shook the bottle of soda, but didn't know what to do, where to aim it. So it just exploded everywhere. 
it's helping um it's it's then helping students realize like what i expect of you when i'm not here i tell my kids all the time it's not always how my own children act at home it's how do you act when you go to your grandparents house right how you act when we're at church how you act when you're at a friend's house i do not want a bad report right because you feel more free around me so i allow you to get away with things but like when it comes, when push comes to shove, when when the moment is happening, y'all know how to act. Like, make me look good. Don't make me look stupid. Make it look like you got some, you have some sense, right? So it's walking kids through some of that and then um, following up with them and, and addressing issues head on. Uh, I ask subs for reports. I ask you to write down specific names. I ask you to write down specific instances. So if, because I want, my kids to learn and grow from those experiences too. It's not just about you getting in trouble. It's about you learning better for next time. And then if you do truly have a, a I've had some bad subs. I've seen them in the building. Um, I tell at administration, please never put this person in my room again, because it just doesn't lead to anything. And I'm not even sure we should be bringing them into the school. Like let some other school have them. Because the, the thing with substitutes is, think about this. Um, Schools, administrators have enough things going on. They don't need anything extra to think about. But if you get good subs, they will keep coming back to your, they want to be at your school. The kids want them to be at your school. Kids will tell you if they like a sub or don't like a sub. They, they text me all the time when I'm out in school. So it's, I need to help administration out by letting them know this person is not a good fit. They are demeaning to kids. They curse in class. They are they let kids destroy the classroom so we need someone here that's going to hold it down and so i that's part of the reason that i um like to get feedback from the kids too and then like to at least when i hear enough bad reports it's like yo we need to not bring this person back anymore oh my gosh i'm sorry i was caught in the middle of a yawn uh okay teaching sorry. with mr you didn't Hayes. like my answer no i didn't enraptured by it i was but right. i'm just tired tiredness has hit me even though i drank up coffee i hear you uh teaching with mr hayes have you ever become very angry with your class this has happened to me yeah. i felt very guilty but did some proper follow-up combos and behavior has improved just don't want this to become the norm yeah so uh hayes i put a video out i think i put this video out i <laughs> i started recording videos like six at a time and so i forget if i put this one out or not but for me it's about i think it just did it's about having a plan for when I, because this happens every year. And so I want to have a plan of how I'm going to handle this. So when I feel that feeling rising up in me before it gets to my mouth and I have an explosion of anger, I need to do something because, because when you get angry like that, I become irrational right? It starts saying things that it's like, it's not, some aren't even true or they're not completely true. Or I don't want to, I don't want to go there. I don't want kids to see me there. You don't deserve, no matter what your behavior is, unless you like stabbed someone, like I don't need to be spazzing on my class. And most kids don't learn from that. And there's no way back from it. If you've ever spazzed at your class, you, you can't like put that genie back in the bottle, right? You, you that was a weird one, but um, it, so it's really, trying to manage that before you get there. And I have a certain number of things and I, I won't go through it all right now because it, it's literally the video I just put out on Thursday where 
there's certain things that I do that help me. Um, if I do lose it on a kid or a class, I always go back and talk about it. And I, it's again, this is a thing where I'll sit with my class, right? So I'm thinking if there's a time that like, I just lost my cool, something happened. I was, you know, it's typically because I was already having some kind of off day or something else was going on. Um, I remember one of the times I did this, my grandmother was in her apartment. She had fallen and laid there for three days, I think, before anyone found her. And I felt so guilty about that. And it was like, I'm in school. And that wasn't even really on my mind because I have ability to like most teachers just you snap back into school. I'm doing stuff. But it, it must have been on some subconscious level, like still it was like it was like. I wasn't starting from the same place that day. Like I might've been starting from like here already and someone did something. I lost it. And then it was like, listen, there's no excuses, but I'm going to tell you what's going on right now. And I lost it. And that's never all right. I'm a grown up, and I should not be acting like a child. And regardless of what you did, it's, it's not okay. Now we are going to talk about your behavior because it was, you were still out of pocket and we still need to talk about how we act in class because this is a great place and we want it to continue to be a great place, but we have to be great people to have a great class. And so it's walking kids through that and having a real conversation with them. And I think those are conversations that kids learn more from than, than they ever will. I, I think um, I heard a quote, I think it was Rumi said something about like, like, Something to the effect of like catastrophes are incredible opportunities to find treasure, something like that. And it's in those messed up moments we can build really, really uh, far deeper relationships with our students because we're coming to them like they matter. Like I like what the like kids aren't apologized to very often, I don't think. And so I think these become great moments for and learning experiences for young people, especially from teachers. Like, I don't think that ever really happens. Yeah. yeah. I don't I, think I ever had a teacher apologize. Ever. I maybe you just have great, perfect teachers. Uh, yeah, I don't think so. Okay. <laughs> um, all right. Well, that's it for us because we're at an hour. We are. And there's uh, and family dinner is, is about to happen. So look, if you have, or if you're not on Instagram this week, we're going to start sharing like teacher specific tips for teacher wellness, right? This is something that, Anytime I talk about it, anytime I have a video, it gets a good response. So, um, so Gabe's our wonderful social media manager is, uh, is I meal this content for her. She's chopping it up. That's going to come out this week. And, um, I'm, I'm excited about it. I'm, I'm thrilled about this. If you're not part of our Facebook group, please do that. And please, if you could like this video, just hit the thumbs up thing. Um, it just helps shoot this into the, into the teacher algorithm stratosphere and helps more people get helped out anything else no that's it you covered it that's it are we gonna be able to do it like flawlessly i don't know we yeah. are watch this are you ready okay we'll see you next week everybody peace <laughs>